Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and uh, here as always with me is my best mate, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Going well, mate. A um, bit daunting this week, to be honest, mate. We're first time on video. Yeah, so obviously uh, you're listening to the podcast as you would in your normal format. Uh, you're not seeing us, but uh, we are going to start recording some of our podcasts and doing um, some video content that will go along with it. Um, that'll be a bit of an exploration at start, just starting with... Uh, the very basic stuff is in recording the podcast, but we will eventually be adding in things, um, some video graphics and stuff that can go with it, um, highlights when we get towards the draft. Um, we're sort of aiming to get a really good draft podcast together this year and potentially a big live stream. So uh, let's see how we go with that. But it is daunting. We can see ourselves and it's, yeah. it's very strange. So it's let, us know, awkward. let us know what you think if you see the video. Um, I've got Sean's phone number if you want to date him. He's a beautiful man. Um, pretty good looking as well. No, I'm, I'm off the swing, market. Swing so, in. Oh, yeah. I think we both are, mate. Yeah, you're probably more off the market uh, <laughs> than, than I am with the whole um, having a having a kid thing. Yeah, that's news, isn't it? Um, yeah, I so guess. So congratulations, Sean. Thanks, you, mate. Listeners, listeners won't have heard that news, but um, Shawnee um, is going to have a little Shawnee, which is going to be pretty exciting. Well, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure they'll play. If I, I was meaning a girl. If it was going to be a little short. Or Shauna. You're a little bit soft. Oh, thanks, mate. As everyone can now see on the video. Yeah. I think I'm about, my shoulder width is about twice the size of yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and the beard competition's going on at the moment as well. So. I know. I'm going to trim mine down next week, so don't worry too yeah, much. Yeah, it's all right. I need to have a bit of a haircut as well, so. But before we get stuck into today, because yeah. we're going to move on, today's Hawthorne. Um, obviously, uh, you put out a little bit of a snippet before our Freo podcast. Um, and obviously the big news and we're recording this the day after the Freo podcast came out and the day after the, um, I guess the announcement that Freo has decided to, um, to sack Ross Lyon and, and the same with Steve Rossich, who's their CEO. Um, and obviously there's a lot of swell going around that club at the moment. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on it all? Did they make the right move at a, at a kind of first pass and, where do you think um, Freo should be looking and what's kind of the next moves in terms of their coaching movements? I'm not really talking about their list and everything. We did that last week. Yep. I don't think our, our opinion changes there, but in, I guess in terms of um, their overall coaching movements and, and what you see for them, what are you, what are you thinking? Do they go old, new? That it's a, yeah, I, I think it's a really hard one. I think that... Given at the press conference, uh, they were pretty clear that a finals was a big dictator for it. So, didn't make finals for four consecutive seasons, um, and therefore yeah. that's potentially why he was moved on. Um, so, it's obviously very important to the fan base and the existing um, existing execs to make finals. So, I'd be going after an experienced coach. Um, I think some of the names that we threw around earlier are people like Brett Ratton, Ross Lyon. They're not necessarily... Ross Lyon's just been sacked. Not Ross Lyon. Sorry, what was the other one? Brett Ratton. 
Michael Voss, Brett Ratton. Sorry, we'll get there. Um, uh, I, I do think that they need Ross Lyon. Uh, he should be considered at least. He's the best best coaching record on the market. Um, but it, it's it's pretty clear that they want um, to move, continue moving up the ladder. Unless that's just a, um, I guess, a stunt uh, for... Uh, they're trying to move him on and that's the, they're using a reason. Uh, because for me, I think that Frio's list is probably still two years away from really competing for finals. Um, so I, I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think, you, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, if finals is their goal, they should be going after experience. I know um, Justin Longmuir has been linked pretty quickly, um, being obviously ex-Fremantle, um, he's assistant coach with Collingwood, done his level four. So I think he's naturally going to be linked to that role, obviously being an ex-player and, and they... I guess they haven't really had a West Australian coach, I don't think, really. I think most of their coaches have been Victorian. So um, there's a bit of that kind of uh, state pride side of things, but they really just need to get the right person. And and I genuinely think that, you know, in the AFL, we're very harsh on coaches that fail at clubs or are moved on at clubs. Like, there's not many coaches in the league that have second chances. Um, and the ones that do, you know, um, that were Ross Lyons was one of them. So um, I really would like to see them go after like a Michael Voss. I think he's kind of the right type of person yep. who could. And from everything you hear, it sounds like he's learned a lot since his days at, at Brisbane. Yep. Um, and he, he'll bring a, like a hard professional mindset into that club because that's what he is. So he's a, he was an ultimate professional, a lot yep. like Bucks. So, and he and he probably behaved a lot like Bucks early at Brisbane, um, the same way Bucks with Collingwood. Yeah. Um, and but since then he's probably learned the other side that Bucks has learned at Collingwood as well. So. Yeah, and I think for Ross Lyon as well, um, there there's obviously there'll probably be job offers um, in in the next yeah. couple of months for other senior roles that aren't necessarily available yet, or that I don't think that he'll get the role back at St Kilda just based on the fact that he left them. Um, but St Kilda probably shouldn't be really chasing him, to be honest. No, I, I'm under the same. I'm of the same belief. But um, there is, I would really like to see him. I think in a dream scenario, and it would be interesting to know whether the AFL would help out with this. Um, see him at the Gold Coast as a coaching director. Um, Stewie Jew mentioned that there would be uh, the Gold Coast mentioned that there might be support for Stewie Jew coming in the coming year to help his development. Um, and I think that the coaching director role has been shown to not be a uh, like an assistant role where you might not be considered again if you're a senior coach and mm. you've gone into an assistant. Um, Rodney E was obviously picked up from a coaching role, uh, coaching director role. Yeah. Um, Mick was picked up from a coaching director role. Um, I think Fagan might have even been a director of coaching at Hawthorne um, mm. at, at one stage. Not sure. Um, but... It's the kind of role that would really help the Gold Coast to bring up another um, another effectively senior coach that can help with the development of their young players and potentially take him off the spotlight. And I think because Ross Lyon was contracted until 2021... No, 2020. 2020. 2021 was uh, basically triggered by finals. So I think they were saying in the media that his payout will only be for 2020 because... He won't have reached his trigger clause. Well, it'll be a, because he won't have an opportunity for a trigger clause. It'll probably be a negotiated payout for probably. the final year. But either way, he'll have that money, um, and potentially the Suns can pay him less than market rate for a senior coach because he's got yeah. that money in the bank. 
um, and they won't like that won't be a get out for um, Fremantle because I'm sure if he gets another senior coaching job they won't have to pay out the full contract yeah um, so let's see what happens there I mean I'd really like to see that as I said but um, yeah I mean that's the sort of thing like when we talked about the Suns that's the sort of thing I'd like to see the AFL help them with that's the off-field support like yeah. that's the go and go and give them you know some money to get some real you know crack fitness gurus crack medical gurus get the right coaching support make sure there's you know the right analysts in there you know that sort of thing that's the that's the support they need and yeah. i think that they'll they will develop quicker with that sort of input than going and giving them an extra draft pick yeah. because oh, they go and give them the extra draft pick and I, mean, I know the argument that they're saying is the Brisbane model where they've gone and drafted good mates in Berry and McCluggage and then they've gone and picked up Berry's brother and all that. But it, it's it, it's just luck and the fact that they've turned it all together and, and they've moved up the right way. Just because you go and get Anderson and Rao doesn't mean you keep Anderson and Rao. Yeah. You've still got to put in the same work. Yes, having a good mate there probably will help a little, but it's not the be-all and end-all and it's not, you know, who's to say that Anderson doesn't get frustrated that a lack of opportunities in within the next two years and decides I'm coming home to Melbourne and they're in the same spot. So, yep. you know, you get that support level right, you get the right people. I mean, Brisbane were a basket case, what, four years ago where we were talking about them going through welfare people, going through this, going through that and... And they were struggling to retain kids. They had the go home five, what, seven years ago. Yep. And here we are today talking about them as a flag contender. They shows that when you get the right people in the right spots, they got the new facility, um, they got all that stuff. Once that's there, guess what? You can turn it because you're building the right... They got the right coach at the right time. And I think Gold Coast probably got the right coach. They look to have a right structure off the field. They just need more support there get everything else in line and then the development pipeline and the retention just takes care of itself yeah I reckon we could have a full episode debate upon whether Gold Coast deserve a first round pre-first round or an early first round draft pick well, because, I know Gary Bacanara is on my side yeah well, I don't know if that's necessarily um, a, a da- a da- it's not a damning thing that's for sure I mean I, I'm not going to go into it now because we're just going to get lost but I'm still on the side that Gold Coast should get a pick and it will help them. Um, I think, yeah, it will, I'm not no, saying. Let's, let's, let's yeah. honestly, let's honestly not go into it now, Sean, because seriously, well, I'm not we're saying, gonna it, won't, I'm not saying it won't help them. That's, yeah, yeah, let's be clear. Like, yeah, yeah. It's okay. not. It's not that it won't help them. All right. So this episode will be focusing on the Hawthorne Hawks. Um, so the Hawks are uh, a really interesting club. We are recording this. Um, we're going to record another couple of episodes. Uh, pre-finals so we actually don't know whether Hawthorne have qualified for that last final spot but based on I guess the likelihood of each outcome uh, the Hawks and the next team that we're going to be doing as well which is the Adelaide Crows are the two least likely teams to make the eight um, and the last spot in the eight so the Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide both more likely um, just based on their matchups as well as um, their opportunity to get in what the what the results of those matchups mean. Yep. Um so we're focusing on the Hawthorne Hawks, oldest list in the competition, most average games uh in the competition as well. Yeah, so they're almost twenty five years old on average and that's across the forty five players. Um and they're eighty one games of experience across the full list as well, which is a it's a it's old and, and I know that, you know, 
yeah, I mean, it's a symptom of obviously their success and their continued success. I mean, you don't win three flags without maintaining a list and they're still, again, like a lot of clubs, dealing with decisions made five years ago. Yeah. Um, Depth-wise, uh, four key forwards, six general forwards, four key defenders, 10 general defenders, four rucks and 16 midfielders. Um, key changes from last year... Out went Ryan Burton, their first round pick, their second round pick, and Taylor Jurey. In brought Chad Wingard, Tom Scully, and Jack Scrimshaw. So I think if you just said on the end you got Wingard, Scully, and Scrimshaw, it's not a bad thing, but letting Burton go is a killer, and especially the form he's been in. Yeah, Burton gone. Dagger. And their first round draft pick gone. Um, I mean, Dersmer and Burton would on impact this year be pushing um, Scully and Wingard to say who's actually had more impact in their club in their first year I think probably Burton and Dersma would almost push them Burton versus Wingard you've won right there for Port yeah Burton's been exceptional and and like Wingard maybe um, can push them up the ladder next year uh, when when they've got a couple of players back from injury Mm. um, had another off season to rebalance their side but missing out like the Lack of starting that development cycle, and we can go into this a little bit later, but missing out on somebody like Dersma, um, who would have been perfect for them, like a young, classy, fast midfielder slash defender that, or slash half forward, he could really play anywhere, um, would have been perfect for them to actually start the rebuild. Um, and I know that we don't necessarily have to talk rebuild yet, um, but I will talk about we'll, that kind we'll of stuff. We'll though. touch on that. We'll touch on that soon. I mean, it's, it's important to probably understand that Hawthorne, for a long time, have been recognised as one of the best traders. They bring in players, they improve them or they give them a role and they get them better or they get them into their system and they make them really good. Yep. Um, but the problem with that is that the symptom is they don't get games into their youngsters. So... Like, I look at a kid like Tim O'Brien, for example. Um, now, at most clubs, if he hadn't performed to the age of, what, 23, I think he is now, 24? Yeah, might be 25 or 26 now. Yeah, so if he hadn't performed at most clubs uh, at 23, uh, he'd probably be out the door. Um, and then, obviously, at Hawthorne, given they kept pushing, they didn't want an 18-year-old, they wanted a 22-year-old who's a physical developed body yeah, and so they maintained the rage with him and look he's playing good footy now so it shows I guess sometimes we're probably quick to get rid of players but his output over six or seven years has been no better than a first round or a second round draftee and the same with a guy like Ryan Schoenmakers you know great depth to have he's played his role in different um, finals and, and was a part of a few flags and everything but at the end of the day, like, he, I think two years ago, like, I think we spoke about it, that he probably would struggle to be maintained on a lot of lists. Well, he should have, they should have just traded him when he had value. He had value of at least a second round pick going back four years ago. Yeah. Um, and they should have just traded him then because that's not what he was worth to them. Um, no. And sure, they've been successful. So, I mean, we're going to have to say this caveat throughout the entire Hawks podcast. When, yeah. you, when you're successful, you can make mistakes or you can, well, do it, you can really do what you it's want. It's not even that there's mistakes. It's they're, they're, they've made decisions. You make decisions that, that um, you know, now they've got to pay the price. Shorter decisions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're looking at their key players. Uh, ben McAvoy, uh, right now they're top five. Uh, ben McAvoy, Tom Mitchell, Chad Wingard, Jaeger O'Meara, and... 
James Sicily. Yep. Uh, probably one of the good things is that a lot of those guys will be around. So Wingard, Sicily, O'Meara, Mitchell are all players that will be here for the future. Yep. One of the bad things is obviously they've lost one of the players that we had on their future list um, in Ryan Burton. And yep. James Warple is playing good enough footy at the moment to be considered in that group. Um, He's definitely a part of their future. Despite the um, hysteria from... Hawthorne fans about him and how good he is and how, he's, and how he's not being considered for all Australian and all this kind of stuff because of you've seen his oh. numbers he yeah he's going to be a good player and we've always been a fan of him we did say that he went too low in the draft um, and said that he was going to be an important player all of those things but he's he's exactly what you would expect from a midfielder uh, at 23-24 as in physical development all of those sort of things so well, at the end of the day he went too low he probably should have gone somewhere around where Lockie Fogarty went who was a very similar player for Geelong Falcons yeah probably 20s yeah um, so in the mid 20s they got lucky he slipped through um, he's going to be he, he's going to be what he's going to be like this is he's been excellent this year in the absence created by Tom Mitchell yeah and this is the best he will be. Um, yeah, it's, and and it, look, it, it's great. Like it, he's he's nothing. He, at the moment, he's a really solid midfielder. He is. He's very. He's really solid. But you, you, what you said about opportunity is completely right as well. Because what you've got to think about when you assess midfielders, especially people that are heavily around the ball, is they have a great to opportunity to win the ball, especially if your game plan is high yeah. disposal, which Hawthorne's has typically been a high disposal game plan. Uh, you think of somebody like uh, Tom Rockliffe, um, who at the peak of his powers at Brisbane was getting 38 touches. tons of disposals, but he's not as good at like when now you see him at Port versus other midfielders like Wines, Boak. like Ebert, like Boak. He's not as good as those he's guys. Better than Ebert, but he might be yeah. So he's better than Ebert, but Ebert's already over thirty. Um, oh, he's but, better than Ebert in his prime. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like compared to Robbie Gray, Boak. Yeah, look, Molly Wines, so, guys like this, he's not as good as them, and his disposal and output has dropped right off. So that's that's I guess the what you want to be seeing from Warpool is when Mitchell is back next year, maintain the road. the ability to have the same level of impact exactly yeah. because you can't have too many of that exact same type of player around the ball. Yeah, and I think Rookie, there is enough difference with him. Um, he he is slightly different to the way Tom plays, but it's going to be interesting yeah. given the season Warpool's had. So interesting to watch the way they try and mesh them back together. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anyone's going to do it, Clarko. Yeah, but yeah. That's the, the the other caveat on everything to do with Hawthorne is the uh, history of success and the Clarko factor, which is like when you look at how this team's going to play out. So we obviously don't know whether they're in finals yet. We won't release this podcast if they're in finals. We'll just do some editing and re-release it a bit later. <laughs> um, but. If they don't make finals, um, or if they do make finals, then it, it's going to be, yeah, look, this other team is great, but what about the Clarko factor? And that's sort of where their list is at. Mm. Like, as, as a whole, when you're competing against probably the top six teams in the competition being Brisbane, Geelong, Collingwood, West Coast, um, GWS. GWS, and one more that I'm missing here. Who else? Richmond. Um... Richmond. Richmond's the team I forgot. When you're talking about those top six teams, Hawthorne is not near any of them, but you would just say they're a chance because of the Clarko factor. And what they really need is a list where that's not the only factor that you're considering when you're talking about them having yeah. a good chance to win in the top against the top six. So regardless of whether they make the top eight or not, 
yeah. they're not in the position right now to contend for a flag. Now, sure, uh, this is one of the things that is, is a good thing. They've been able to get the most out of their players for a long period of time, yeah. and that's fantastic. One of the things that's a bad thing is that they're probably going to be two out of the last three years with uh, bottom eight to ten finishes. And for a side that's the most experienced and the oldest list in the competition, that's not where you should be. You should be contending for a flag. So either we are we're wrong and they, they will be in flag contention next year after acquiring some players or they need to start looking at the harsh reality, which is that they need to rebalance their age profile. Yeah. I, think, I think they can potentially um, look at maybe... I guess West Coast's rebuild on the run. Yep. Um, and we'll speak a bit about that. Like West Coast, um, I mean, obviously their fluctuating form through the, you know, late noughties was, was key in that. They, you know, obviously Nick Nat one year, back up, then drop it down again. And um, I can't remember who 2010, was it Dom Sheed was I pick? No. I can't remember who was 2010. They, they went up and down for a few years. Yep. And because of that, they got access to some really high-end talent. Um, and and they got finals games into their young players, and and that balance of just being able to you know get a few games in here that and then it's paid off down the down the line. So uh, no, Gaff was the high pick, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I mean, with Hawthorne they haven't had that. It's been yeah. high, high, high success. Trade picks, trade this, yeah. get Burgoyne, get this person, get that person, yeah. free agents. You know, now is just t- probably time. All right, let's let's look at you know West Coast got a few good decisions right here. We can stay mid table if we're happy with picking mid table. Yep. Um, which they look their recruiting team has an excellent history when they pick. Yeah. They've you know they nailed Burton like yep. absolute great pick, but that's the problem. And they've nailed Warple and Mitch Lewis as well. And there's a few you know great picks that they do, but they just don't go to the draft and use that. Feel like having the best gun in the arsenal and just not using it yeah. um, when they're so successful. Um, I think probably for for the next few years, if they if they push through the draft, focus on on those draft picks, they'll they'll be fine in three four years time. They'll be back in finals and you know these warples and this kind of stuff. They'll all be you know mid early mid twenties. And as you said, you know Mitchell Mitchell will still be under thirty. O'Meara will still be under 30. Sicily will probably be 30. Um, yeah, like in five, in five years' time, all those guys, probably um, O'Meara and stuff will start with push, uh, Chad Wingard, those kind of guys who are pushing over and Mitchell. But they do still have some younger players. I, I'd say that... This Wingard is what, will only be 29. In, not in five years. In three years, maybe. No, I thought they'd... Because tra- Port traded him... A year before his free agency, so that'd yeah. be so seven he's, years. He's 20, so he's twenty-five. He's twenty-six now. Tw- yeah. This anyway, year. anyway, um, they they do have like a, a good ability to attract um, high talent players. So obviously, bringing over Wingard and Scully, they are able to convince them to come to the club, which is fantastic. Not many clubs have that sort of pull, but it's the hardest thing is it's going to be about hard to balance. They do have probably weak key. Uh, key positions now across the board so yep. they definitely have old key forwards and defenders and now obviously Roughhead's retired uh, there'll be a couple of other key defenders that might only have one or two more years in them Four and exactly Mitch Lewis is best 22 but he's probably the only best 22 key position player under the age of 30 so Tim O'Brien obviously 
is playing best is playing best twenty two football. He's obviously playing, but yeah. he's not necessarily a long term best twenty two player either. Um, he, he's playing he's playing all right football, but what I mean in that is that without ever going to the draft with some sort of sustained approach to the, to the draft, they haven't been able to attract that next wave of players that are going to step in. Yeah. Like they don't they don't have anyone on the books that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about. What's the right word? They don't have anyone on their books that I look at and go, "Gee, I'm I worry for if I'm the competition playing Hawthorne when this guy is up and going." Like when you look at, no. obviously the Suns are on the complete opposite end of the scale. But when you see the Suns and you go, "I would hate to be an opposition team in five years' time." When you have Rankin, Ra- when you have exactly when you have Rankin at, at full power, especially someone like Rankin, but yes, Lukosius, all of these guys starting to unlock what the heights of their powers can look like. I would hate to start playing them then. Yeah. There's really no one in the Hawthorne squad that I look at and go, I would hate to play them in four years' time. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, but, I mean, it's a fair assessment, and and I think that you know that lack of youth is just it's going it's hard because I don't like making calls about Hawthorne because they keep burning me um, but yeah, they'll do that at, at the event, in the end if you keep if you keep the cycle of, of uh, what's the term I use robbing Peter to pay Paul yeah if you keep you know paying that future paying that future paying that future eventually um, you're going to get burnt and it's going to come down in a pretty spectacular um, way. Yep. And that might be, you know, I guess the kangaroo-style crash. It could be a Melbourne-style crash. It could be, um, you know, uh, maybe even like an Essendon-style crash, I guess. So it's just they've just really got to put the focus on we need to turn our list over, like that... They need to look at the probably 30 to 40 spots on their list, turn them over, and they've got a lot of guys off contract at the moment. Yeah. Um, so they, they could look at the guys, you know, in that 30 to 40 mark in their list and just go, if, if they're off contract in there, they're gone. And yeah. then you look at your 22 to 30 and you go, all right, we need to lose two, two to three of these players. Yeah. And that's really just got to be the way they do it. So, with that off contracts, I hand over to you. Um, yeah, where's so, your axe? You didn't. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't brought it with me. I haven't brought the physical. Oh. I actually have a scythe somewhere. Oh. Probably, you probably get that out. But I, I, I don't. I don't know if the. Uh, I don't know if the death scythe is really the right tool to be using for <laughs> for axing. Jeez. Axing players. Um, so nice. again, this is just on the information that we could find online. So um, sometimes there is some slight amounts that are off. But even then, it's an interesting talking point because there's been players that we've said delist, and then we find out that they've just got a new two-year deal. Happened to, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Happened to Cam Paulson uh, two years back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we probably both stand by um, their original decision. Anyway, um, moving on to the Hawks. So first one off the off the rank is Connor Glass, uh, and a tough one. I'd probably offer him a rookie contract. List or give him one year. Is he on the main list? No, my understanding is that. Oh no, yes, I think he was promoted, and I'm saying that they should delist him and offer him a rookie spot. Uh, so how old? Uh, 23, 4. 
It's Irish. I'd probably hold him. I know. Yeah, I know the way he plays. I just can't remember how old he is. That's yeah. Um, yeah. I'd probably look at one year. Uh, I think he's the kind of player you might be able to. He's in. Is he in the thirty to forty? No, he plays more than that. So he's he's more in your twenty two to thirty bracket. I don't know. Um, it's I, don't actually, think, I think Conor Glass is all right. Yeah. Next cap off the rank is probably somebody like a Damon Greaves, who I think is probably maybe a one year, but probably a D list. Um, yeah. Look, I I think D listing's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a. I mean, he's in that bracket that we talked about. You got to look in that thirty to forty and just start. Moving a lot of them on. Yeah, clear some room for some new draft picks. Uh, Darren Minchington, I don't think he's worked nah. and he'd probably delist. Nah. David Mira, um, I think he's got to go as well. He's oh, so I know he's old, but well, he's, he's old and he's not best twenty-two. Like, why? Why would you he's, keep? But it's their only key. He's their only key position depth. Yeah, but he's twenty-eight. Like, why? Okay, well, you either have to delist him or you have to not. You have to move on guys like Frawley because you. You, like like with I mean, this is actually good that we're doing Adelaide well, you're going to you're going to let you're going to let so they've got Tim Moore who's later on our list yeah he's going and to and they've got Dave Mirror yep and they've got Frawley and yep. Henderson yep and who else so the, my, my problem becomes is not it's not that you you want Dave Mirror to be your third you're going to go get an 18 year old kid so let's say you go get a Sam DeConning now if you're going to get Sam DeConning and he gets an injury like Hugh Goddard had as a young kid, or you get anything like that, you're left open and exposed. I I, I agree, but if you're gonna you've got to look at it, they only had four key defenders. Yeah, I four. think it's I think it's because they have a lot of shorter general defenders though, like Sicily can play as a third tall. Um they could give Shawnmakers another year over um over Mira because Sean Makers has got a bit of flexibility to play forward as well, at least. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm just saying, like, if you've got, you know, only got, what is it? I think it was four key four key defenders, I think is what we said. Well, look up. Yeah, four, four key defenders. And you're going to lose one in Tim Moore. I just don't think you, you're going to let Mirror go. Like, yes, go get a replacement, and Mirror goes to the bottom of the list, but he, you know, rookie him or, or keep him around for one more year while yeah. you get some development into the other kid. Maybe. So, um, Birchall, I think that they sh- he should retire, um, or that they should just not offer him another contract because he's been a great servant. But <laughs> probably what happens towards like with some players towards the end of their career, they just yeah. get consistent injuries, and it's just holding up. It's he's a great backup, and if he plays, sure he makes Hawthorne a slightly better side, but he's not the difference between Hawthorne and a flag, and. Yeah, he's taking the spot of somebody that's been developed, like could be developing. So, yeah, look, he's one I could see given the talk we hear coming out of Hawthorne that he will get another contract, just a one year. Yeah, um, I do agree with you. I think possibly um, retiring is probably going to be the best uh, option. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next one is Harrison Jones. Uh, so Harrison Jones, I would probably give another year on the rookie list. Um, yep. Otherwise, a, a one-year deal on the main list if you need to. Agreed with that. Jackson Ross, I'd probably give him um, either one or two years, probably leaning towards two, but one yep. would be fine as well. Yeah, look, I, younger guys, I, I liked him, what I saw of him at Box Hill, to be honest. I, I think he's um, definitely got some traits that will make him an AFL player. Yep. Um, so I would definitely two years is fine. Frawley. Resign two years yep. with a plus one third. Um, what's 
What's Chipper going to be now? He'd be... 31. 30. Oh, maybe one. One, one plus one, maybe. One yeah. plus one. So. Ruffy is retired. We know that. Um, yep. Well done, big fella. Jonathan Six Segler. Goals. I would re-sign him for two years, but uh, a bit of talk about him trade being trade target as well. Yeah, look, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me for him to go chase uh, some better opportunities. Yeah, it also wouldn't um, surprise me if he's actually a some form of free agent now just because of the new rules because remember he was delisted by Collingwood and the new rules suggest that mm. if you have been a free agent before then you are keep your free agency okay I'm not sure yeah so I mean he could move potentially for free or for, I don't think that Hawthorne would restrict him if that he wanted to move on but I think that he's a good player so I would yeah. resign him um, next up, we've got Mark Pitonet. Um I'd probably delist him. Yeah, I'd delist him as well. It, it, he hasn't looked really up to the level when he's played, um, and he's yep. been given enough opportunity. Has played a lot of AFL. Um, he, he's, De- developed, he's, developed behind um, McAvoy as well, and yeah. McAvoy's a very good player, but when you're learning from a really good player, you would hope that you're ready to take yeah. that next step. So It's um, been a bit unfortunate. Yeah, he's a no as well. Um, Ned Reeves? Okay, yeah, Ned Reeves, um, he's selected as a cat B, so he was coming from, um, obviously, from another sport, um, and he's the son of the CEO. Um, so yeah. I think that they they could see the value in his height uh, and being a cat B rookie outside of the list. Um, it's, a, it's a good job for a, a CEO's son. <laughs> um, so Are you I, saying it's a bit of nepotism in that? Oh, there, yeah. I mean, it's, this is this is nothing. Seriously, honestly, and I promise, I mean this. Literally, nothing against Hawthorne, but the entire AFL is filled with nepotism. So this is yeah. this is nothing different. But this kid is yeah. tall, athletic, uh, and they have a free shot at him. He understands football, uh, and he's a good kid. So I mean, yeah. as far as a Cat B rookie goes, I would give a Cat B rookie contract to him over I would Jack Madden. Yeah. Um, so like a 25 year old who comes from another sport I, I think they don't have a long career whereas if you can keep him on cat B rookie list for three years while he learns the game yeah. um, he's, a, he's a better rookie list option than um, Mark Pittenet so yeah. Give, yeah. Him, give him time to develop and I'd, I'd say give him another one year on the Poppy he's probably going to go uh, I mean I know he's this is no, a... no, I'm already signing him he's best 22 still is he just He's a year. I, yeah. So I, I think that he's no. just, but I think I don't think that he is enough uh, that, like, I would rather have Dylan Moore in the team, regardless of everything else. Jeez, oh, that's a tough one. I like Dylan Moore as well. I don't know. Um, I think, no, I, th- I think it's re-signed for a year. Okay. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I know what you're saying with, you know, it's probably... I mean, as long as you... It's the tough calls they've got to make. As but, long as you're freeing up enough list spots... Yeah. That if well, if next year, yeah, no, we, we like we've, we've there, there, there's yeah, there's a lot of players moving on in in our opinion. But as long as they're freeing up enough lifts, list spots that they, if next year goes south, yeah, they can drop him to the VFL and, and bring in some young kids and just play for development. That's fine. Which I think they can. Which they probably can. Um, but for me, I, I don't know. I don't know about him. I, I, I would try to move him on if I was them. Um, I think it's about time. Right. Ricky Henderson, uh, one plus one. He's, yep, a, he's had a fantastic year. He's probably in career best form, so yep. no problem offering him another contract. 
Sean Makers, we've spoken about a little. Yeah, probably have to keep one of him and Mirror at least, um, yep. just to make sure they've got enough key position players. Well, I think he's the he's the key position forward depth, so he yeah. probably gets another. He, it, he, him, we, him and Mirror are literally like well, he, he, the he, insurance policy. You just keep one, just keep just keep Sean Makers, and you like if, nah. if either our forward line or our back line goes down, you can play there. Well, okay, well. I, I, Find you the Hawthorne supporter that wants Sean Makers at centre half back. Well, find me one that wants David Muir at centre half back. Find you a lot more wanting him there than Sean. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you know more Hawthorne supporters than I do. Well, we, one, know, we know one. The one, the one I know, Tim <laughs> no, Robinson, is a hack. Um, so Tim, we really hope you listen to this podcast. Because I don't care. I think that it, this is more a public service announcement than anything. <laughs> um, he doesn't have to listen, but. Uh, anyone that knows a person named Tim Robinson that barracks for Hawthorne probably um, do yourself a favour and drop him as a mate. Um, <laughs> Just the way you've dropped him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, isn't it? Um, Sean Burgoyne, uh, probably a year. Yeah, getting on it. He hasn't announced he's retiring. Yeah, a year or retirement. He, he can sort of step away when he wants. Yeah, he's so good. So, T.M. Miles. Don't know what's happened to T.M. Miles. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't he it? He was playing a lot of best 22 footy probably two to three years ago. Um, and it's just dropped off. So, yeah, I, I don't know whether... I've, I've got him as like trade, D-list or one year. I really don't know with him. Um, uh, probably to be safe, trade, get get a draft pick. Um, yeah. Do something yeah, with I him. I don't know. Uh, look, I'm probably one year maybe. Um, Tim Moore uh, is a D-list or a tire, definitely. Yep. Uh, Will Golds, I'd probably re-rookie. Yes, agree with that. Uh, and Langford's already retired, so he'll move mm-hmm. off the list as well. So those, there should be enough list spots for them to either go and attract some more free agents and experienced oh, stars or, or more experience. That's what we want. What's missing? Uh, youth. I mean, we've talked about yep. this. Um, just, a, just a pipeline of youth all a the way across the ground. Um and it's not necessarily just saying that you need to drop off to, to get that. You just need to have more players that are young on the list. You need to you, you need to stop trading. Re, yeah, stop trading picks. Reinvigorate, yeah. um, reinvigorate the bottom of the list, which will both push the older guys to be better yeah. because you'll have young guys around you that want your spot, and also help them to build their next. I think I think last year they did flag. they did a really good thing with the wing guard trade. they didn't, and I think we mentioned it at the time. They didn't sacrifice this year for the trade. Yeah. That was a really important thing. And um, I think that was almost an acknowledgement, I guess, from probably their list team um, that, you know, this this year could go south. And if it did, at least they held their own picks. Yeah. So, look, I, I you know, uh, Hawthorne's really hard to question because they're so successful. So, you know, you kind of do... Um, you do just give them probably a bit more leeway than you give other sides. Um, you do. Same with Geelong as what, well. We have to tr- like what we try to do in all this analysis though is to try to not be people that are resulting. So only looking at what happens. Um, yeah. Instead, you look at what many things could happen and could have happened, um, yeah. and and then you try to assess based on all those different scenarios and work out what the best case, like the best course, incorporating all that information is going forward. So, I mean, we've got here, we've got the speculated priorities and the priorities that we actually think they should be going after. So, speculated priority number one is Stephen Cornelia, obviously. Um, And I don't think that anyone knows where he's going to go, but there's a lot of talk saying that he'll end up at Hawthorne. And potentially Carlton with the Godfather offer. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know where he's going to end up, but I don't think that he's necessarily what they need 
um, to to go forward. Um, yeah. This is why we've broken it up this way. The only club that we've actually done it as far as speculated and actual. Um, the other spec they've been linked to Hugh Greenwood, who's a 27 year old oh, inside midfielder. Can help them, but it'll help them now. No. And that's sort of the biggest thing is that we probably don't think that they should be going for now. Um, no. Or I definitely don't think they should be going for now. I don't think you do. I agree with you there. Priority for me would be if they have to go after an experienced player, go get Tomlinson, who isn't this is not going to be as good as um Canelio and he probably won't have as much impact as Greenwood but he's not going to cost you as much and he's tall like he might he might cost mm. you that but you, they need talls they need tall yeah, players and he could play center half back for them he could play center half forward for them he can play on the wing for them play on the wing for him but it's just draft picks really like if you got, yeah. you know like even I think the other one you've thrown there is Shy Bolton um, but I'd probably still rather draft draft picks, picks. yeah I'd take the draft picks and and to be honest looking across their list um, with maybe the exception of Isaac Smith, there's not a lot of trade bait um, because the players that have a bit of value, you know, like and we're talking about probably the Warpools and Mitch Lewis and all that, they're the ones you just don't want to be putting on the table. Yeah. So it's it's really, you know, if you've got to go trade, it's using your picks or uh, potentially Isaac Smith, I think, has probably got a bit of value. Um, yeah, it's a, they, they, they just want to load up on picks for me. Um, I think, that, as you said, they're pretty good at using picks. So um, going and actually using five, six, seven draft picks at the draft, they don't have to be all high, but just use a lot of picks, will give them a good chance at success. They probably, they probably don't need to target a, a midfielder given they've got you know, um, a father, uh, academy father-son selection this year who's a midfielder. Yeah, exactly. So they've got Finn, uh, Finn McGuinness coming through, um, probably expecting a bid somewhere between 15 and 30 or 10 and 30, depending on where who you talk to. Who you talk to, exactly. But uh, given that we've got their current first-round draft pick sitting somewhere between, um, say, 8 and 10, yep. um, their second-round draft pick sitting somewhere between uh, 26 and 28, and their third round draft pick, which is tied to Port Adelaide, sitting around that same range. Yep. It's currently sitting at about 47. Um, I think that they just probably need to get another pick in the, both the second and third rounds um, to, to really tide them over. Yes, agreed. Um, I mean, it did, it's going to depend on their ranking of this year's draft versus next year's draft because we, you know, we tend to agree that it's probably pretty, the, the two drafts probably aren't as similar. Um, in terms yeah. of next year's next year's from from what I hear uh, and I mean I've only seen a little bit of it but you know that at the champs I didn't I didn't rate the fact that there was no underage player in the All Australian team which is rare yeah I, I, I don't think next year will be as strong as this year I think it'll be quite weak yeah so I guess it's all going to come back to how you rate this year's draft versus last year's draft uh, of next year's draft sorry and and you know as we're kind of probably thinking this year's got a little bit more higher end to it than the next year and and um look i think for hawthorne this might be the year they just say all right we're going to go grab our first and second next year and try and get a first and second this year and and even if it's a bit later even if it's around like the pick 15 and maybe pick 32 or something go get them and, and draft and, and get four young guys inside of the top 35 in here. Yeah. And yeah. and I, I think with the quality of the draft, probably from from probably pick 15 to pick 35, like the, the talent's flat. So because of that, they would potentially 
be able to you know get good quality like the that that flatness in the draft means that i guess there's enough quality there it's not it's not as high end as last year but it the quality is there yeah there's there's enough players that you'd want and i, and I tend to agree i think that they should um maybe wait until draft night but consider moving on their second or first round draft pick on draft night yeah. um just depending on if the player that they have of uh, on their board is still available. Um, there's going to be a lot of variation based on who different clubs rate yep. um, in around that. It's going to um, be very interesting on draft night. Yeah, I can't wait for it this year. This is probably one of the most interesting for me um, to see how it all pans yeah. out. But I reckon if you've got 18 clubs to put their top 50 draft boards all next to each other, you'd see probably 20 differences between every single one. Uh, yeah, easily. Um, That'd be I mean, awesome. At least. Um, we should, I, we should get the board over here. Don't, don't uh, envy uh, Kaltumi's job this year. Um, no. Trying to put together a phantom draft because it's one of those ones where... Well, we went and questioned... We shot him a message on... Or I did anyway on Twitter. Um, you know, because he... Who hadn't he put in there? Mitch O'Neill. Mitch O'Neill, that's right. And that, and that was... I mean, he's got his reasons, but, you know, yep. well, we certainly see Mitch O'Neill being inside of the top 20 almost. Yeah, I, I see him being inside the top 20, but as I said, people have got their knocks on him, and that's the probably the hardest thing about this draft is that I reckon outside of the top two, yeah. there's knocks on a lot of the players. Yeah, well, like you're seeing even now on the back of um, some good end of carnival form and, and some good school footy form, and then... Um, a strong Sandy Dragons form like Miles Bergman is coming in um, from from probably being a a late fourth round and yeah you know, like maybe only third round pick yeah yeah well but it would mean he's one that Cal had in his top thirty and yeah you I know, don't see that well but the funny thing is is like the things he hears yeah he's coming in and and you know it's it's that kind of draft where there's going to be I mean last year you know it was row bottom and. Jones and and these sort of guys that shocked us, but that that was you know we're talking one every kind of ten picks. I think this year's going to be every second or third pick. Yeah, after yeah, after agree. about pick fifteen. Yeah, I agree. Um, so obviously a lot of people this draft want picks in the teens just so that they can wait and then snap up a player that they're really looking for. Mm. But I don't think that it's going to be as easy as that. Um, so pick eight. What are they doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I think they should be drafting uh, high scope players just because they've got probably the capacity to take on a couple this year. Mm-hmm. I think either someone like Fisher Mackesy um, or McCasey, whoever you want to say it, um, Mackesy, but yeah. I think it's pretty sure it's Mackesy, um and Will Gould. And I know we've probably we've probably said Will Gould for every single team. We're probably going. Well, to. you've said Will Gould for every single team. Oh yeah, well, I'm not going to knock it. Say Will Gould for every team because. Every He's, team needs a Will Gould. Every team needs a Will Gould, and no teams have a Will Gould, really. So um, maybe if West Coast were down here, they wouldn't need a Will Gould. But, yeah. um, I think um, yeah. Fisher Max is probably a good fit because it really addresses their lack of key position. Yeah. That said, Will Gould's not that much shorter. He's 191, 192 area. Yeah, Mackesy's one ninety five, one ninety four, I think. So yeah, you know, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. It, either way, they could, I guess, quite easily um, pick one of those two. They'd be pretty happy with them. There's, you know, there's, if, there's, we're, there's, if we're looking at probably other players that would suit the way they play, um, you know, uh, so wrong in Flanders. Uh, yeah, see, I would they'd probably go the more high skill, which is 
Gould, definitely. Um, who am I thinking of? Stevens. Stevens, yeah, Stevens. Bill Stevens. He's probably not going to go this high, so it's probably a bit early for him. But I mean, yeah. that's, you know, they probably need um, since since losing, I guess, Brad Hill, um, who strangely enough is on the table again, um, and and obviously Isaac Smith getting a bit older and and the drop off in Poppy and stuff. They're probably for their game plan, the way they play, they've probably lost that outside runner yeah um, I know they've uh, they've got Jarman Impey in um, he's which just, is he's done an ACL though hasn't he yeah so uh, ACL yeah he's done something to his knee yeah um, but yeah like losing Impey um, is a big hit to them and I think you know potentially they could look at a running player um, they're the kind of team that could probably fix Lachlan Ash's kicking yeah um, yeah because if his decision making sound it's more how do you get him to hit the targets more often and and I think they could do that he, he'd be a good option for them if they're looking for that run and carry you're probably right I, I think that um, they're one of the few teams who I think could benefit from just going for one higher pick um, and go for it get a third round pick in so one of the things I'm thinking that they should do is look at moving on their pick that their first and second round pick which will be so as I said around 8 to 10 and around 26 to 28 somewhere around that mark trying to turn those two picks into, say, a pick five or six and a third-round pick. Uh, On points, they'll be giving away a little bit more than that. Uh, But moving that third-round pick past where the Finn McGuinness bid is going to be, so they'll have two third-round picks that they'll bring in that they can match with. Mm. And then also getting up the drafter a little bit, hoping to snare somebody like uh, Hayden Young, who would be perfect for them, um, would be really smart. And... I don't necessarily know which clubs would do that. It only maybe the only club that would do that is Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide. But even then, like I think they want two teens picks, not an eight and twenty six. I'm trying to think, maybe maybe Melbourne. Um, but no, I don't think Melbourne would jump. Yeah, I think but, if Melbourne's pick stays at two, they're not trading out because they're going to get Raul or Anderson. I think if it stays at three, they shouldn't trade out. But they well, three is going to give us the player we probably should be picking. But they might um, might move it to yeah. try to bring in multiple picks. Like well, three time. three might be the three is the pick that I mean, if Adelaide's pick stays as it is, I think it's pretty public that they've openly said that they'll be putting it on the table and they're open to to offers. Yeah. So um, with that, I guess um, we'll wrap up the podcast. Yeah. What uh, my final words? I think it is first since it you're is. intro. You did this one. Um, Final words, Hawthorne, uh, just get back to the draft, um, put your trust in Graham Wright and um, and just, yeah, I mean, I think it's everything now just has to probably focus on, on cleaning out the bottom end of your list and, and replacing that with, with youth um, of all different types. Mitch Lewis was a pick 76 or something. You're obviously very good at picking wherever you've got a pick. Just... Just do that. Get 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 five or six draft picks this year and go get them. Yeah, um, I'm sort of of the same belief, and it's not to say that uh, you put competing now off the table. It's just that you put more faith in young players being able to help you compete now. Um, I, I don't think, yeah, and I think that what we're suggesting is like that we're talking. You turn over that bottom end into youth and trust your your fitness department that you're not going to have a big string of injuries and. Yep. You can still play your your high your older top end players, 
it's just you now building your pipeline for that next generation. And that's the biggest thing is that pipeline, just making sure that it's not going to be, you're not going to rely on finding five, six, ten Mitch Lewis types in the 70s. Instead, you've got a, a pipeline of people that were selected with 30s, 40s picks that can really step up and be the next generation of Hawthorne players. And yep. I, I truly believe that Hawthorne supporters have um, enough credit and goodwill built up uh, with the club. They know how much the club has done for them and the Hawthorne has built up a lot of goodwill with the supporters that spending a bit of time investing in youth isn't going to be a bad thing. No. All good. All good. So uh, thank you. Yeah, we'll wrap this one up um, and we'll have to see what we can do about the video um, because audio is a bit easier for the whole editing game. I can um, chop uh, chop out little bits where we have interruptions from my dog or anything of that nature. Yep. Uh, Video is going to be a bit fun. um, So So if you're watching the video and you see like my arm go from here to here, and there's no kind of movement. There's an edit there, just just letting you know. Well, yeah, and if you're listening to the audio, that whole Sean demonstration of moving my hand from here to here was just riveting. For well, I you. moved it from the left of your radio dial to the right of your radio. Yeah, dial. it was it was oh. epic, and they loved it. Um, all the people did, uh, but no, it was uh, it's been a bit of fun. We're gonna we're gonna try out this channel a bit more. So yeah, let I mean, us know what you think. Yes, absolutely. Feedback is vital to us, um, and we do appreciate as always your uh, your company. So thank absolutely. you for dropping by. Thank you guys, and we are really enjoying uh, a lot of the interaction on Twitter at the moment. Um, getting a lot of questions about different things so keep them coming through we absolutely love it and we love responding um yeah thanks guys and and we'll see you again for the next episode thank you guys if you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen you're not alone one in four australians will experience anxiety no one anxiety is talking visit beyond blue to start a life beyond anxiety.